We say this every week, but man, our, it's such, that's my favorite thing every single week when you guys are hanging out more than hearing me speak. I get tired of my own voice. It's, it's seeing you guys uh, hang out and build relationships, especially if you're new and you, or you don't know the person next to you. Uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. You know, it's, it's going to someplace in person is just different uh, than watching it online. There's relationships. So, uh, yeah, I want to say this too. I know we're going into Thanksgiving week here, which is that weird to anybody else that we're, we're turning a corner into the holidays and I feel like 2021 just started. I forget what year it is. You know, when we're at the end of this one. And so it's, it's just, this is just bizarre, but I want to put it out there for a lot of people. Thanksgiving and the holidays is a time of joy and peace and great memories. And uh, for some of us in the room or watching online, the holidays are a challenging time because uh, there's chairs that are empty that used to be full. And so just want to want to put it out there. I don't want to glaze over that and go, hey, everyone, it's good, having a good time, and you feel like you have to fake it, and you're like, oh, yeah, I love it. Maybe the holidays are really challenging for you. And so if there's any way we can support you uh, practically to, with prayer, if you need financial support, if you need some, just somebody to rally around you, we're here for you. So I never feel like you have to walk in um, feeling burdened or feeling alone and then leave feeling the same way, man. Please take advantage of relationship. And throughout the week, if you kind of if you kind of skip out and you're going, ah, I probably should have got a hold of someone, man. You can always call, text, email. We'll drop what we're doing to pray with you and support you. So just want to uh, put that uh, out there. Church is not a service; it's a community. So this is just the time when the family gets together. So let us uh, help you. And I kind of want to put say this too. And we really got to hop in the teaching. But some of us that are um, we're so quick to help other people that it's really hard to ask for help. And so let, let people help you and let people support you in this season. You don't have to be strong all the time. So uh, with that, uh, hey, we're going to hop into a challenging message uh, today. So uh, hopefully no one will leave and take a, a bathroom break to your car uh, and leave. We've been in this series where we're talking about the heart. Right? We're basing the content on the series on a book called Enemies of the Heart. Enemies of the heart. And I highly challenge you to get that in whatever format, wherever books are sold, if you're an ebook or Dead Tree version or you're more of an audible version, whatever your version is, man, take some time. I challenge you to spend the 10, 12 bucks on the book uh, so that you can pause it, go through the questions, and really do some heart work. A lot of us want more information. What we actually need to do is ask our heart the tough questions and do that stuff there. A lot of the things that we most need to see shift in our life is not because we need more information, right? It's because we need to change mentalities. It's like any of us that are, that are like wanting to get in shape, none of us are like, wait, pizza's bad? I didn't know that. Push-ups are good? Like, it's not because we, don't need, in, we need more information. It's because we need mentality shift. So I highly challenge you uh, to get the book because we are just... Man, just going over the surface of this whole thing. So we're basing this whole series off of uh, this one verse in Proverbs. Song is, is from uh, a guy named Solomon, wisest man to have ever lived, the Bible says. And he says this. He says, above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. In other words, if you do nothing else, if you forget everything else that's in this, in this book with 31 chapters in it, if you forget everything else I say and you do one thing, do this. Guard your heart. Like an armed police, police officer will guard a bank with that kind of intentionality. Guard your heart. Don't be passive about this. Why? Because everything in your life flows out of your heart. Everything. 
how you navigate relationships, how you navigate integrity, how you navigate kindness and generosity, how you navigate uh, when you are caught doing something wrong, how you navigate what you look on screens and what you do at that time. All that comes out of your heart. And there's times where we'll say things and do things. You're like, where did that come from? It came from your heart. It wasn't because they did something or the situations or that person said this to you. It's because that was already in your heart. So Solomon says, guard your heart because out of it, everything, everything. And sometimes our heart, the condition of our heart is, uh, it is the way it is because of decisions we've made, good or bad. Right? It's good or bad decisions we've made to put things into our heart. And sometimes life has a way of lodging things in our heart that we have no control over. Right? Things happened to you. People said things to you, did things to you that were outside of your control. You had nothing to do with the circumstances, but they lodged things in your heart that were unhealthy. And if left unchecked, that stuff festers. That stuff gets bitter. That stuff creates some really gross things. So we're going to talk about, we're week three, we have two more weeks after this, and then you, you can get off the hot seat. But we're talking about some things that if we root these things out of our heart, we can live with freedom. We can live with joy and hope and peace. And it's time. For many of us, we've been dealing with this stuff for years, as long as we can remember. Maybe it's generational even, and, and we're talking about, well, one day, no, no, let today be that one day where we finally Take responsibility for our heart. And that's what we asked you the very first week. We said that this, these next five weeks, we're going to be uncomfortable. We're going to ask you to do things that you're not going to want to do. We're, we're going to ask you to process things that you don't want to process. And we asked this one question as we ended that first week, two weeks ago. And we said, will you take responsibility for your heart? Will you take responsibility for your heart? In other words, will you stop blaming other people only? Will you stop blaming circumstances? Will you stop wishing that things were different? Or if you just had that person's life or that person's circumstances, or if they just wouldn't have, or they just would have, if, if you throw that stuff out the window, will you take responsibility for your heart? And then last week, uh, Eric talked about guilt, and today we're going to talk about everyone's favorite topic, greed. Greed. I, man, I, I told the teaching team, let me teach greed so I can take the arrows. Okay, let me just do it. Because here's a problem with greed. No one thinks they're greedy, especially greedy people. Right? Because we say things like this. I'm not greedy. I mean, I could probably be more generous. But I'm not greedy. Right? Or I've never had someone ever tell me they were greedy. They'd say, oh, I lie sometimes, or I'm materialistic, or I like nice things, or sometimes I get angry. I've never heard someone say, I'm greedy. Never in my whole life, because greed camouflages itself, especially <laughs> if you're in church. We can almost make greed uh, like a virtue, because we won't say I'm greedy. We'll say things like this. I'm just really careful. You know what? I'm a saver. I'm a saver. I, I just want to make wise financial decisions, or the church way of saying that is, I just want to be a good steward, right? So I want to help, but my, my heart goes out to you. My heart goes out to the situation. I, really, I just, I just want to be a wise steward with this. Greed is really hard to see in the mirror, right? You no, know, we see in other people. Like all of us can name greedy people, right? But that person can't see greed in the mirror, right? And here's why. Bless you. Why? Because we, when we think of greed, we think of like Scrooge, not McDuck, swimming in coins somehow, but like Ebenezer, Scrooge. That doesn't work. Have you ever tried it? Like when I was a kid, I was like, I can't go there. We have to wait. Okay, so 
We think of Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge, like taking advantage, like taking turkeys away or the goose away from Tiny Tim's family. Like that's what we think of greed, right? We're like, I'm not like that. I'm not like counting my stacks of cash while not giving bonuses to my, I'm not that, right? I'm not taking food away from sick children, so I'm not, I'm not greedy. I'm just careful, right? We're going to talk about the fact that there's a lot of kinds of greed. And here's the thing. Some of you guys that are new to the church, or maybe you took a break from church because you think that Christians and churches and pastors are all about money, and your hang-up around this whole idea, you're going to think about this, this this whole time, is that church is all about money. All we do is we talk about money. And the thing is, this is way more to do with your heart. This is not about giving more money to the church. This is about something going on in your heart and my heart. Let me just say this. I deal with this. Okay, so this is not something that I'm like, let me show you how I am totally generous and I don't deal with greed at all. This is one of the most, of the five things we're talking about, this is the one I deal with the most. Okay, so I'm this thing with you. But we're not talking about giving more of the short. We're talking about is dealing with something in your heart that affects your relationships, Dealing something in your heart that affects your faithfulness to God. And ultimately, what we're dealing with is what is going on in your heart that will determine the impact you have on this world, the legacy you leave behind. So we're going to talk about what Jesus was going to say on this topic. So this is not like, well, here's what Taka thinks about generosity and greed. No, no. We're going to talk about what Jesus talked about. And if you are upset with anything we say today, take it up with him. We're going to start in Luke chapter 12. And Jesus says this. He says, watch out, watch out, be on your guard. What does that mean? This means you're you're not the soldier at the checkpoint sleeping. This is watch out. If I right now said, hey, there's an active shooter around here, watch out. Okay, there's a different posture. You're looking, you're noticing. This is active, not passive, right? He says, watch out, be on your guard. Against what? All kinds of greed, all kinds of greed, even sneaky kinds that camouflage themselves and I'm just a good steward, I'm just a wise saver. All kinds of greed. Why? Because life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. That the real stuff of life is not about stuff. He's saying there's this insidious thing going on in the the fabric of culture and even within ourselves that we think life is about having more stuff. Life is about having newer stuff, better stuff. Jesus telling us to guard against the belief that what we can touch and hold and own is what makes life life. And we know this is true, right? Because we watch Hallmark movies in this season about people who are like, I worked at, it's like the typical B movie around this season. The person works too much at work. They're all about money. And they realize it's all about relationships and generosity. And we're like, yes, that makes me feel good. Okay, here's my Christmas list. Here's the stuff I want to buy. No, I agree. Yeah, I'll watch It's Wonderful Life. It's not about stuff. It's about relationships, about generosity and giving back. But man, if I could just get this for Christmas, right? So here's here's a weird thing. Here's a weird dichotomy when it comes to, to spending and versus generosity is that we want something. We all, you know, whatever, whatever your thing is, all of us have different things that we like, but whatever it is, we want something, smallest clothing, or maybe it's a new device, or it's a new car, or an upgraded car, or a new home, or a new upgrade for something in your, in your home. 
and we really get really creative about it, right? We lean into it like, okay, now he knows this about me. If I start going, hey, what do you think about me getting this? I've already decided I'm going to get it. I'm just trying to figure out how to get it, right? <laughs> like, okay, can I do some side jobs? Can I save? Can I sell some things that I have? What do I, can I cut back on these expenses, and then I can save up over time and buy this thing? I get real creative, right? I, I, I figure out ways to accumulate enough resources to get the thing that I want. And, like, our closets are full of things that we've bought in the past that we are now just storing, right, for ne- to never use again. So when we, we want something, we get really creative about it. We figure it out. We go, I don't have the money right now, but I'll figure out how to get the money to get the thing. But then someone gives you an opportunity. This is what's so weird. Someone gives you an opportunity to be generous. Someone goes, hey, there's this family, their house burned out, or some of this family, and they lost their job, or this family got a cancer diagnosis, or there's this organization that does this good in the community. Can you support? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't really carry cash. I, I don't, like, I don't have anything. I, I I'm just trying to be wise in this season. A lot of expenses coming up with Christmas, a lot of stuff I want to buy myself, and I just don't know if I can, right? We're really strapped right now. Yeah, yeah, but they need clean water, but you know, we, these single moms need, need help. Or Man, there's opportunities to, to create spaces where people can engage with their relationship with God. Yeah, I know. I, I, my heart goes out. Like, man, that is such a good cause. I'm with you, man. Thoughts and prayers, man. I'm with you, but man, I'm just strapped right now. It's weird that we lean in to those things that we want. We get real creative, and we lean away many times from opportunities to be generous. What is that? See, the Bible would say that's greed. That's greed. We lean into the times where we want stuff. We lean away when it's an opportunity to be generous. It's not a financial issue. It's a heart issue. What's so amazing is that our attitude around spending can be so different than our attitude around giving, right? We'll spend money to buy things we don't need to impress people that we don't care about. But then when asked to give, it's like we change gears completely. We look at immediately what we have available and we make decisions that way. But we don't do this with anything else. When there's something you want, even a new phone, like I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people like, Gosh, you know, I, I can't support whatever the situation is, young lives or digging clean well or wa- water for clean wells for clean water or helping with so-and-so on a mission trip or whatever. But they're like, the new iPhone just came out. I know it's $1,000 for this phone. I know it's like, does the same thing as the phone I currently have that about last year. But I got to figure out, if, if I, I go on a monthly plan and I'll figure out a way, to, it's, we change gears. But we never think that way when it comes to generosity. If someone says, would you give $1,000? You can, you can feed this many kids in this city if you, oh, man, I don't know. We don't have that same kind of creativity. Why? Greed. It's greed. And I'm telling you, it's, it's hard to see in the mirror. It's easy to say no to generosity. We do it all the time. And then turn around and spend major money to upgrade items in our lives. And look, no condemnation. This is me. This is me. And I was just going through this topic. I'm like, Taco, why are you that way? Why are you that way? And what we're going to talk about is kind of how we navigate it. So we're going to go through a passage where Jesus teaches on this, okay? Because what happens is so many of us have a desire, 
right? We want, we want, we have a compelling, or maybe the Christianese terms would be, God is leading me to be more generous. God is leading me to see needs, feel the needs, and actually do something about it, right? A lot of us, if we're honest, we hear the pitches about, man, you can do this, you can, here's how you can, especially right now, we get all the mail about support this food pantry or all these initiatives in town. You're like, yes, that is good. I agree that that's a need, and I agree that someone else should do something about that, right? But for some reason, we can't get ourselves to put our card information in. We can't get ourselves to write the check. What is that? We see the need. We resonate with the need. We feel the vision. We say, yes, that is good. I should be a part of that. I know I can figure out a way to be a part of that. But I'm just going to go to the next thing. What is that? Or sometimes we're given an opportunity. We're at a fundraising dinner, and you know why you went to the fundraising dinner. It's because they're going to ask you for money. It's not a surprise, right? It's not just a, I want to spend $100 on spaghetti. Like, you know why you're there, right? But yet, maybe sometimes you do give. But you know you were supposed to give more, right? And those of us that are Christians, you felt, you felt God speaking in your heart, no, this amount. You're like, yeah, I know I should do this amount. But when I wrote the check, it wrote different numbers. <laughs> I don't know why. When I felt the pain, what is that? What is that? See, Jesus is going to teach us something right here. And, and, and I want to preface for you. I want you to prepare your heart. I want you to brace yourself because it's not going to be what you think it's going to be. It's not going to be that the, the, the antidote to greed is not going to be maybe the most intuitive thing, but it's going to make a lot of sense when we explain why. It's almost like if you were like going, talk, I need to lose weight. COVID has been, um, you know, it has, had, has helped us make some unhealthy habits, put it that way, right? And we are... Uh, we're more than we've ever been as individuals, right? <laughs> We're making more of an impact on this earth every time we take a step than we did before COVID, many of us. And so we want to uh, make differences, right? So if, if you were to hire a nutritionist, hire a uh, personal trainer or something like that, or make a monthly donation to a gym, uh, you, you know what they're going to say, right? You're not going to hire a nutritionist and go, you have a desire to get in shape? Well, that's enough. Yeah, no, keep, keep, don't change a thing. Keep eating what you're eating as many times as you're eating it. Keep doing what you're doing. Oh, you don't work out? Your personal trainer's not, not going to go, don't, you, will, you have a desire to be in shape, right? Well, then you're fine. You're fine. Just keep like, sit on the couch as much as you can. Just sit in general in your life as much as you can. If you just keep doing what you're doing in your intention will get you to where you want it. None of us, right? To the point where so many of us would, if I told you, hey, I'm paying X hundred dollars for a nutritionist and a personal trainer, which I'm not, obviously, but if I was, none of, a lot of you guys would go, well, why are you paying that? I know what they're going to say. They're going to tell me to eat whole foods. They're going to tell me to work out, and we already know what they're going to say. Stop doing some of the stuff you're doing and do some other things, and that's how you're going to see change, right? We know that's going to happen. And we, so we know when Jesus talks about greed, he's going to ask us to do some things that we don't want to do. And you're not going to just be able to intend your way out of this. You're not going to be able to thought and prayers your way out of this. You're going to have to make some lifestyle shifts. You're going to have to make some habit shifts, some mentality shifts. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people who started living this way, the Jesus way. And you know what they say? 
And a lot of you guys are in this room, and a lot of you guys that are, tend to be more generous have friends that are generous because that's like who you like to hang out with. You know what you hear it over and over again, and they go, those of you guys that live this way would resonate with this? It's liberating. That's what I hear it over and over again. I feel so light. I feel so much joy when I live the way Jesus wants me to live with my finances. I hear this all the time. Why did it take me so long? I went to church for years before I got this. I never hear about people regretting being generous. Just never hear it. I hear about people regretting focusing on getting more stuff and thinking it will give life. And then they get all the stuff and they're the same as they were. I see that all the time. And actually, there's a story in Scripture we don't, we're not going to talk about, but there's a story in Scripture where this rich guy goes up to Jesus, he's called a young ruler, he goes up to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, do this, this, this. And he goes, yeah, I already do that stuff. Right? His paraphrase. I already do all that stuff. And then Jesus goes, okay, then sell everything and give it to the poor. And he goes, uh-uh. Why? Why? Because Jesus knows. There's something tied to our finances and our spiritual life. And can I say this too? This is not a rich people problem, okay? There's some of us that go, oh, yeah, if I was loaded like so-and-so, then of course I would be generous. No, you wouldn't. You'd spend money exactly the same way you spend it now. Money doesn't change you. Money makes you more of who you are or who you've decided to be. You can make $100 a week and be greedy. You can make $10,000 a day and still want more, right? So what does Jesus say? Now that you're fully prepared and braced for this, what does Jesus say? Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. He says this, Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Don't store up treasures here on earth. Now here's the thing, he's not talking about, he's not anti-savings, anti-retirement. The Bible's full of verses all throughout Scripture where it talks about be wise, save. But there's a very big difference between saving and hoarding, right? There's a very big difference between being wise and planning and as opposed to storing up more and more and more and focusing on temporary things. So don't store up your treasures here on earth. So what does he say in the next verse? Store your treasures in heaven. What's that mean? Is that like, a, like in the Cayman Islands? Like is there like a city that, like some offshore account? Like what, what is that, crypto? What is this? Wouldn't surprise me if there's a coin called heaven. Uh, you can store it there. Uh, but he says store your treasures in heaven. And what, what is he saying? Jesus is, this is Jesus' language for give stuff away. Give stuff away. Give stuff. Put your money in things that will outlast you. Jesus actually, in the same idea, explains this more, what it means to store treasures in heaven. When he's teaching in Luke chapter 12, he says it this way. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. He's like, oh, you don't have cash right now? Liquidate some of your assets and then give that to those in need. What will this do? This will store up treasure for you in heaven. This will store up treasures for you in heaven. Then he explains again why. Because the persons of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be saved. No thief can steal and no moth can destroy. Moths must have been a really big problem uh, eating money in that era. I've never really had an issue. They didn't have maybe cedar closets. I don't know what the issue was. What is it? He says, says, liquidate some of your stuff. He says, in other words, think creatively. 
Don't just look at what you have. Think creative about how you can transfer funds from your needs to someone else's needs. How do you transfer your resources from your wants to somebody else's wants? How do you transfer resources from your kingdom, the kingdom of you, to another kingdom? Jesus is saying, I don't, I don't want you to keep storing up. You've got to determine when, when enough is enough. But then here's the big question. Why? Why? Like, what's so bad? about storing up more and more and more and more, right? That's how I was raised. Give enough to the church so that people think you're like a good Christian, but store up. Make as much money as you can and save as much money as you can and buy enough nice things so people you don't care about are impressed by you. Like, this is how I was raised. Thanks, Mom, right? Just kidding. I love you, Mom. Okay, so, but it's true. Um, but Why? Jesus, what Jesus says in the next verse of why we do this is the whole kit and caboodle. There's an old-fashioned saying for you. Is the whole thing, right? He says this next thing he's about to say is going to make all the difference. That we, if we internalize the why that he's about to say, it'll break the hold that greed has on your heart. You can live with freedom. You can live with hope and joy. Here's what he says, next verse. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart be also. Liquidate your stuff. Sell. Give, stop hoarding up. Give stuff to others. Why? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is so powerful. Because if you want to know where your heart is right now, not metaphorically, if you want to know what your heart is all about right now, follow the money. Follow the money. Look through your credit card history. Look through your bank statement. If you use checks, look through your check register if you reconcile it. What I used to do is I used to use checks back in the, my, my daughter would call the olden times. And it would be out of whack and I would just get a new checking account, let that one kind of work its way out and use this one. I wasn't really great with that stuff. So anyways, it says, he says, if you want to know where your heart is, look through the money trail. He doesn't say, if you want to know where your heart is, what do you feel? What are your desires? What, what do your thoughts and prayers go out for? No, no, no. If you want to know where your heart actually is, look where you spend the money. Because it doesn't matter when you say, I feel so bad for that situation, or my heart goes out to this situation, or when we say things like, God is number one in my life. If you want to know where your heart is, it doesn't matter what you say. Where's the money? Where your treasure is, that's exactly where your heart is. Where your resources go, that's exactly where your, where your heart is. Don't get mad at me. This is Jesus talking, okay? So, and we know this is true. We know this is true. If, if, you, if you got a hot tip from a friend that was like, you should buy this stock, even if you never heard of the company, right? And you trust them enough to buy the stock or your friend's like, you should buy this dog coin and crypto, right? It's the Pomeranian or whatever this mini golden doodle is. And then you, you buy the coin. What happens? You, you Google it. Right? So say you dump some money into that. Again, you get real creative when you, it's for you, right? So you sell some stuff. You, you, know, you don't go to Starbucks as much and you buy some of this, you know, Pomeranian coin. And what do, you, what do you do? You Google it. What does this company even do that I bought stock in? Right? And if you see a billboard with that stock on it, you're like, oh, it sticks out. It's, it's top, of, top of the radar for you. If you see a, a news, like it, it comes across like whatever news site you go to and it's close to the top, breaking news, this company, you're like, oh, 
I have money in that company, right? Why do you notice that so much? Why is it so important to you? Why does it stick out from all the other noise in your life? Because that's where your heart is. Why do you think about it so much? I mean, it's like you want to know if someone in your life is into crypto? You'll know. <laughs> Ask them about anything. Anything. Grass. And it'll somehow loop back to crypto. Right? <laughs> Why? Because they're thinking about it. Why? Because they have money invested into it. And where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Right? So practically, what does that mean? Do you find yourself not caring about those in need? Just be honest. Like you want to care, but you don't. Right? Do you find yourself on a regular basis just seeing a need and going, someone should give to that? I'm not going to. But someone should. Your heart, you pray about it. Well, you'll say you'll pray about it, right? What is that? My challenge to you then is if you want to start caring about whatever issue, whatever issue, you can start giving to that organization. If you're like, I oh, man, I really want to do something about, you know, teen parents or homelessness or whatever, find a great organization, start giving to it. You know what? Your heart will follow. I guarantee you your heart will follow. Spiritually, you find yourself spiritually stagnant? These are the moments I wish I was a guest speaker. It feels kind of self-serving to say this as a pastor of the church, but I feel like I need to. Do you find yourself spiritually stagnant? How's your giving? So many times, especially in this last year and a half, I've had more conversations than normal about people that are saying, I feel spiritually dead. I feel spiritually disconnected. I always ask them the same questions. Are, Are you reading the Bible? Are you praying? Are you getting around other Christ-centered relationships? And are you giving? And most of us go, I need to go to church. I need to... But so many of us leave giving off, and we want our hearts to be somewhere where our treasure isn't. And that's not the way Jesus says it works. What you spend your money on, guess what your heart is on. So the way you strip your heart of greed is not prayer. And some of you guys are like, prayer words, like, no, you just pray about it. No, that's not what Jesus says. He says your heart is not where you pray. If you want to strip your heart of greed, don't pray about it. Make a decision to be more generous, to systematically, consistently, and intentionally move resources out of your kingdom into another kingdom. And your heart will follow. And the real reason why is your heart is what God is really interested in Anyways, we talk about these verses, and I hope that it makes sense when it all clicks. When we see verses like, man looks at the outside, God looks at the heart. It's the heart that God is most concerned about. So maybe God wants us to be generous, not because he needs our money. Like, he doesn't need to make, like, rent this month in heaven. He's like, man, if they would just, if everyone could just pitch in 10 bucks, you know? If we put our resources to something other than us, that our hearts will be on something other than us. And that's what Jesus is most concerned about. The next thing Jesus says seems like it's like the record skips. It seems like it should be a separate section in your Bible. But if you read this section together, you'll see it's all one chunk. And it doesn't make sense until you read it as a first century reader would have, or listener would have heard it. 
So let me, let me say it, and then we'll explain it. So the very next verse, after he, after he says, for we are treasurers, there your heart will be also. The very next verse, he says this, the eye is the lamp of the body. Huh? What? It's weird. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. What is that? Like, what is that? What are you talking about? If, if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Makes zero sense, right? There's two words there. He's doing a little wordplay. There's two words there that would mean significant, uh, have a significant, significant meaning to the first century readers. The word good, if your eyes are good, your whole body full of light, the word good is not used anywhere else in the New Testament. But, so when you see like good other times in the New Testament, it's using a totally different word. This is the one time we see in the New Testament. In other literature outside of biblical literature, do you know how that word is translated? The word good? Generous. Generous. So it says, if your eyes are generous, if you have generous eyes, in other words, when you look at opportunities to be generous and you think creatively, you lean into those. You have a need? Okay, how can we make that work? How can we make that happen? Don't default to no. Sometimes you have to say no. Sometimes saying no is wise. But is there a way we can make it happen? Is there a way I can cut back to make... Man, they're going through such a rough time right now. Is there something I can do, something I can sell, something I don't really need that I can sell to really help this initiative or help this person? Or we lean it, we have generous eyes. The same creativity you would use to get the new thing for you, we use it to be generous to somebody else. If you have generous eyes, your whole body will be full of light. And then it says if your eyes are bad, if your eyes are bad. This word is actually used another time in Matthew chapter 20, just a couple uh, chapters later, Jesus talking. Do you know how it's translated there? Not bad. It's translated envious or jealous, depending on your translation. You look at it, Matthew chapter 20. It says, if your eyes are bad, if your eyes are envious, if your eyes are jealous, your whole body is full of darkness. In other words, if you have generous eyes, your, whole, your body is full of light. If you have envious eyes. In other words, if you look at everything with, I want, I want, I want that, I want that, and I want that too. i got to figure out a way to get that. I'm not going to be happy until I get that. I'll get creative about getting that for me. If you have envious eyes, your whole body is full of darkness. And you may go talk of that is just way over the top. That doesn't make any sense. Really? Have you ever met an extremely generous person that wasn't happy? Have you ever met an extremely generous person? The kind of person that you're going, okay, mental note, don't tell them I like their shoes. Don't tell them I like anything in their house or else they'll give it to me. <laughs> right? You know those kind of people? Right? Someone was like, no, but I really want to know someone like that with some really cool stuff. Because <laughs> like, you don't want a boat. You just want to know someone with a boat kind of thing. Okay, so, so if, if you have a, a friend who is, is, is like really generous, man, aren't they really happy? Why? Jesus said it. If you have generous eyes, your whole body be full of light. You ever met someone extremely envious that was happy? No matter how much they made, no matter how much stuff they had? Why? Why? They, they would have all the stuff in the world. They, you ever look at someone and they have all the stuff in the world, they, they live with such jealousy and envy and they want more and more and more. They're never happy. And you look at their life and you're going, why don't you see the greed in your life? You have... If I had your stuff, I'd be happy. You know what? That's not true. Because there's people looking at you going, if I had your stuff, I'd be happy too. 
There's someone looking at them. If I had their life, I'd be happy too. Why? Because it's not a financial issue. It's a heart issue, right? This isn't about giving to the church so that we can keep the lights on. This is about our hearts, to keep our hearts full of greed and darkness. So what do we do, Taka? You're saying I need to live in a shack, right? Because buying anything is like ungodly. Are you saying I have to have an iPhone 2 or else I'm not like, you know, it, am I not allowed to buy a new house? Or do I, do my, does my, my kitchen need to look like the 1970s and smell like the 1970s for me to be really godly? No, that's not what I'm saying. The question is, how do we follow Jesus fully, but also enjoy the blessings he gives us, right? Because all of us that are parents, we want to bless our kids. Are you kidding? When our kids like do the right thing, we're like, you want ice cream? We're trying to figure out ways to bless them. And I think God is the same way. Where do we get that from? It's, it's a God thing. It's in our DNA, right? So how do we follow God with our finance, but also enjoy the blessings he gives us, right? And some of you guys are thinking, I'm so glad my spouse isn't here because they would hear this and go, I told you we're supposed to sell everything. And you're like, you're going to really ruin this new car that I've been working on if my spouse hears this thing, right? That's not what I'm talking about. If this lands where it's supposed to land in our heart, it's liberating. When this lands where it's supposed to land in our heart, this is like not a burden. It's a joy. So how do we do this practically? As I've, this has been a, an issue, Nally knows, as long as I've been a Christian, this has been something that I've been working on and processing, and it's been really important to me because I don't want to do this wrong. When I was growing up, it was all about, man, you want to be Christian? You're going to die in a hut in Africa by yourself. Like, it was like, what is the most extreme last thing you want to do? And that's what God wants you to do. I'm like, that's really messed up. So I've been trying to navigate that because my, my, what I was brought up was like, get more and more stuff. So I've had this kind of dueling tensions in my heart. I'd rather have this kind of personally, right? So how do we do this practically? As I've talked to so many people over time and a lot of you guys as well, here's the unanimous approach. And one of those things you look back on and go, okay. This is why God does it, asks us to do it this way. It's called percentage priority giving. Percentage priority giving. On the, at surface level, it's a budget, right? Some of you guys are like, duh, yeah, right. So here's how much money. Here's the percentage that we're not going to go over for how much, how much house to buy so it doesn't own you. This much percentage. You set a percentage, and even if you buy one you really like, but you have to go over, you just don't touch it. It's over your percentage. Right, percentage, priority, spending. And then what we do, what we do as a family is we kind of take it to another level. The biblical thing we say is you set a percentage that we give away first. That's the key. This is where the priority spending comes. We give away first. So for us, we give 10% to God first. And then we give a percentage above and beyond that to great local organizations, GoFundMes, birthdays, whatever, missionaries, right? That's above and beyond our tithe, our 10%. Tithe, is just a, it just means 10, 10%, one, one tenth is what tithe means, right? So we give 10% away first. We give a percentage away just for generate, just whatever needs arise. And then we spend the rest with no guilt. So if we have money left after that, then we go, we've saved up, get a new car. We've saved up, upgrade the kitchen. And there's no guilt because we've priority spent ahead of time. We've taught our kids this as long as I can remember. When they were little, like little, little, we got them what's called moon jars. You guys know what moon jars are? I don't even know if they exist anymore. But they're three little metal uh, piggy banks that fit together and there's a rubber band. One says uh, save, one says spend, 
one says give, right? And they rubber band together, and then what happened was uh, we would give them, like, say, a dollar for helping us shovel the driveway, right, as a three-year-old, just kind of whatever they can do. But we're teaching them work ethic, so they move snow around for a little bit, and we give them 10 dimes. And it was important that they did this. We didn't do it. You had to give them 10 dimes. What would you do? I put 10 cents in give. That's what I give to God. I give, put 10 cents in save. Who knows, that's going to maybe become like a dollar one day and I can get candy or whatever. And then I get 80 cents. I can do whatever I want with. And they still do this today. Now it's electronic through an app. But every dollar they earn, 10 cents goes to God. 10 cents goes to save, 80 cents they can do whatever they want with. Because if you can learn that with a dollar, you'll be able to do that with a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand, a million dollars, God willing. But if you don't build those habits when it's this big, you'll never do it when it's this big. Right? So, and here's the other other thing too. Some of you guys are thinking, let me talk about the beginning. Some of you guys have major hang-ups around church around pastors. You're like, talk. see, I knew you're going to loop this around and try to get people to give more to the church. Okay, here's, if that's where your hang-up is and that's really an issue for you, here's my challenge. Don't give to anything connected to this church. Don't give to anything connected to me. If it's about church in general, don't even give to a church. Find an organization you believe in, determine a percentage, and give it to them. Right? Try that. Try that. Right? And you're not, maybe you're not even a Christian, right? This principle still applies. It still works. And if you still have a hard time with that, if you still have resistance to that, do you know what that is? Greed. Right? It's greed. It's there. And I don't, I don't want it. no guilt, no manipulation, no condemnation. Here's where it's at. Now you know it's there. Now you know it's there. You can deal with it. You can make a decision about it. And I'm going to ask you the same question I asked you two weeks ago. Will you take responsibility for your heart? You know the greed's there. Will you take responsibility for your heart? I told you week one, you're going to, we're going to ask you to do some things. You're going to feel resistance about it. Okay, you have resistance. Are you going to take responsibility for it? Are you going to fight against the grip that greed has on your heart? Before you go to the store to stumble across things that you didn't know you existed, but now you need them, before you start surfing on Amazon or the clothing store looking for the next thing to need, before you do that, before you get sucked into that, determine a percentage that you're going to give away. For us, it's 10% minimum. But for others, it could be 1%, 2%, this whole thing. And so give, set a percentage that you give first. And then as God blesses you, make it a goal, gamify it if you need to, to raise the percentage. Again, you'll never meet someone that lives that way and regrets it. You just won't. You'll never meet an unhappy, generous person. You'll never meet a happy, greedy person because it's not about money. It's about this. And that's what Jesus is most important about. And the crazy thing is, I've never felt anxiety. I've never felt worry about the money I've given away. Isn't that weird? I've never felt any anxiety or worry about the money I've given away. Whether it's a, 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 like a... a Carl's Jr. burger to someone experiencing homelessness or a large gift to a, some other organization. I've never experienced worry or anxiety about the money I've given away. I only feel that about the money I keep. 
It's really weird. So I challenge you to make name a percentage and give it away. The average American gives away 2% of their income. Do you know the average American Christian, what percentage that is? The same. No difference. No difference. So let us be different. Let us be different. My heart for you is that you would be as free as possible. My heart for you is that you wouldn't be burdened by guilt. That you would be burdened with greed. My heart is that you would allow God to use generosity to break the grip of greed in your life. Because reallocating the assets relocates your heart. Reallocating the assets relocates your heart. So, you're officially off the hot seat. Let me pray for us. uh, And then we'll sing one last song together, okay? God, we just, uh, man, we want to get this right. God, I pray against anything in the air that, uh, I know for some of us, we've had some church experiences or uh, hurt from things connected with church and faith and money. And God, I pray that would you cut through all of the confusion and the misconceptions and all that, God. And I pray we'd see your heart clearly, what you would want for this. God, we want our heart to be focused on you. We want our heart to focus on all the needs in our world that your heart is set on. We don't want our hearts to be only set on us. But God, when we spend our money on us, our hearts are only focused on us. We don't want to live that way. In the short term, maybe, that's not what we want our whole life to be about. And so, God, would you help us? We need your help. Some of us, way more than others. God, I need your help. Help me be generous. Help me to reflect a generous God. I pray that when people see how generous you are, they would go, oh, I know a Christian. He's just like that. She's just like that. God, I pray that we represent you well. Would, would we as Christians be known as the most generous people on the planet? We give it to you, God. Make a difference through us. Make a difference in us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Let's sing this.